the USL show, also known as The View for Soccer. I gave a very pro wrestling heel turn, I'm sorry you were offended apology. The US military discussing what a Naruto run is for the Area 51 raid. I feel angry. from obviously the usl show here um real quick want to throw it to uh the interview with uh with brendan burke former bethlehem steel uh former director of collegiate scouting or something along those lines for the philadelphia union uh real quick just want to uh thank our sponsors roughneck scarves and acres fc for throwing this on and, and letting us continue to do what we do um and just generally being great at what they do um so if you need kits or anything check out robbie at icarus if you uh need scarves for sure roughneckscarves.com real quick uh brenda burke is hopefully not a stranger to anyone listening um but just a wonderful human being a great head coach um and i think he has a, a really really interesting project ahead of him uh at colorado springs to try to get that team uh back and rejuvenated and to build an academy system and to try to sell players on and develop uh future colorado rapids oh and they just opened the stadium too so uh just about a little bit of everything for brennan burke he's absolutely surrounded and flanked by people that he's known for a long long time in colorado and i think that will only help this team and uh I'm quite biased, but I'm a little bit scared to see what they're going to do this year on the West Coast in a good way. Uh, so be on the lookout for more player signings from them coming up soon. Uh, and we'll, we'll delve into talking about Jimmy Ockford, Michi Galina, and, and Matt Mahoney, and then just the ridiculous amount of people that he's helped develop. Uh, I'll stop talking so I can start talking. But thanks again to Brendan. Thanks to, uh, to Cody over at Colorado Springs uh, Switchbacks Communications for throwing this together. And uh, we'll talk to you guys soon. Uh, I, I guess... Knowing you and, and knowing a lot of people that know you, weirdly enough, like what was the hardest part of that sabbatical? I guess we'll call it. Uh, not being go, go, go all the time. You yeah. know, not that was the first year I wasn't on the field all year long since 2007 or eight. Okay. Yeah. So, first time in like 12 years and the first time in over 10, really working at a high level. So mm. it was, uh, it was really refreshing actually. And it's only made me hungrier, you sure. know, and this is kind of the perfect segue into this opportunity where the club kind of needs to turn the corner competitively and right. are dropping in this crown jewel of a stadium for the league. Um, you know, I just got to tour it the other day. This is everything I've been waiting for and Hoagie okay. too. And, you know, yeah, I mean, I, I think you're a very dangerous man right now uh, because you've had a year off. You've surrounded yourself with a lot of guys that you've you've either uh, coached or you know coached with before. Um, as far as Colorado Springs, I'm not sure that was necessarily the I don't know first name on on my Brendenburg bingo card. But how did that sort of come up and and when did they kind of approach you about joining them? Yeah, it wasn't first on mine either. Honestly, you know, I've been down to the last two in a lot of the bigger cities in this league and mm -hmm. 
I just fell in love with the project as soon as I met them. I would say it came about through Brian Crookham, um, who's our GM, uh, and been fantastic in the transition. Brian and I have been on the player development subcommittee for about five years together and crossed paths all over the place, you know, Panama and places like that mm-hmm. on the scouting trail as well. So um, I had already a big respect for Brian. Um, and I think that made it easy for us to kind of get down to the final group uh, with the ownership group here in Colorado Springs. And then when I met Nick, you know, we just see eye to eye on a lot of different things, um, you know, and they needed a, a kind of a, a reboot of fresh energy. Alan had done a good job of, you know, building a steady culture, I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and now we need some game changers in here um, and, and that kind of mindset where we're going to take it to people, hopefully. Yeah. And does that make it easier in a way knowing that the guy before you was someone that you are that close with, or is there, you know, as far as the culture thing, or is there some things that you're coming in as, you know, for a team that did so well early on in their existence and has since kind of tapered off, is there a little bit of what Alan brought that you're keeping on? Or is there a lot of, this is going to be mine and, and mine alone for you? Uh, no, it certainly helped uh, stepping into Alan's shoes. I think, you know, he had to leave abruptly for a number of reasons, and I'm glad he's landed on his feet up in Canada now. Um, I talked to him the other day about picking up his mail. I'm staying in his old apartment right now while I find a house. So it's been a really funny transition in that way, but uh, it's made it more comfortable on every level for me, I would say, because I can – really dig into guys that did well for him and why they did well and why they didn't. Um, uh, but I certainly won't hesitate to, to break glass on the way in and and move pieces if I need to. Um, because, you know, I do view this as a massive opportunity, not just for me, but for the guys I'm bringing with me, the guys like Zandy and Michi and Mahoney and Oxford and, you know, we're going to announce a few more this week that I'm really excited about. Um, and I'm working on getting maybe one or two more over the line as well. Okay. Uh, we didn't hesitate in the off season just because of COVID. We tried to look six months past this kind of horrible time that everyone's mm. going through mm. and really nail down some nice roster pieces early in the off season. Uh, Man, you can tell we've been doing this for a while because you set me up so well for my next questions. Um, <laughs> you, you bring in you bring in Mahoney, you bring in Zandy, you bring in Meech, you you bring in Oxford, who's not a guy that was, you know, with Steel, uh, but you had him at, at Reading, and you're obviously familiar. Um, I mean, is uh, Mahoney? I'm sure is one of those guys where if anyone gave you a team, that would be the first name on your list. Um, but yeah, what about the versatility and, is huge. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what about uh, you know Zandi and and Michi? Were did you saw in those guys who might have stagnated a little bit with Union too? That you brought them back over to your your side of things. Yeah, Zandi had interest from four or five teams. I will say Michi was my first signing. Um, okay. The ability to get to him was. Uh, lucky in a sense, but also uh, 
we we had the benefit of being in house and talking to Pat Noonan every day and you know understanding that that kid was still killing it in first team training toward the end mm. of the season with the MLS team that won the supporter shield. Right. He just got buried because of positional nuance, really. Mm. You know, they stopped playing with wingers and when they did drop a winger in, it was Elsino who's right. you know, as close to top class as the MLS gets. Um, so Michi got buried, um, not, not by, uh, any malice on anyone's mm, part, right, right. even in talking with Jimmy, you know, he thinks the kid is certainly at or above the USL level and maybe just fell short in his particular group in MLS. Mm. So I think that kid's talent, uh, is not going to see him stay here long. Uh, that's for sure. Mm -hmm. Um, so I went after Meech first and we worked something out and then Zandy, and Mahoney and Ockford are all guys that I view as winners. Uh, I think Zandy is certainly still on the uptick. And I think Mahoney and um, Mahoney and Ockford are, you know, guys that have proven their winners at the USL level. They've never missed the playoffs mm-hmm. anywhere they go, you know, and I, I certainly picked up the phone to hack and Danny Cruz and Louisville and, talk to them right away uh, about who the top guy they were maybe not bringing back was and mm. why. And they, they both, you know, absolutely love Jimmy. And uh, I could see why I know him because I worked with him a long time ago and he's gone on to have a really good career. Mm. Um, so yeah, those ones were easy. Zandy, I think um, we got to thank him for being patient because he had a lot of suitors. Um, anyone that's seen him, play up close has probably figured out that, you know, he is pretty close to the full package in that central midfield area, but can float out wide. He's got great feet. He covers ground. He's, uh, tactically disciplined. Um, and he can finish a play, you know, three goals and six assists. I think something like that, um, in, in limited exposure, honestly. And he was playing around kids for the whole, no offense to the the union two team, but you know, obviously (laughs) it's gone downhill competitively in a big way. Yeah. Uh, and, and then, yeah, I mean, you know, those guys, they have a great pedigree and, and they're a little bit younger too, which I think helps. Um, I guess to talk about wingers, you, uh, you use them more than the first team, um, but still not necessarily uh, use them, at least in, in 2019, your last year with Bethlehem. Um, yeah, it's this... just being a good company, man, at right, that point. Right. Well, <laughs> is, this the, is this the first year of seeing what a Brendan Burke coached team kind of looks like? Directly. Yeah, I don't I don't think we're going to be predictable. I think we'll play out of two or three different formations and we'll train in those two or three different formations from the start of preseason. Um, I like tacti- tactical flexibility, but with structure. I think the players need to very clearly understand their roles um, within each structure. So if we want to flip into a different formation because we see some weakness or strength in our opposition – which there's a lot of very good teams in the West. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, I want the ability to do that without confusing any of my players. Yeah. And it's the, I don't know, longstanding belief system is that the East is a little more, I don't know, tight, a little more compact, a little more route one. The West opens up a little bit. Uh, There hasn't been 
too too many guys other than I guess uh, <laughs> Tony Pulis when he was at at uh, St. Louis, but that was scheduling more than anything. Um, yeah. That have gone from you know one conference to the other. Uh, you know, what are you most excited about? And is there anything that you think that you can really kind of get into and exploit now that you're on the other side of the Mississippi? No, just, I think bringing some of that experience, you know, I talked to Bob Willie at length yesterday, a guy I have huge respect for, but Mm -hmm. playing against Bob's teams for four years taught me a lot and just having conversations with him. And, you know, there's so many other good teams in the East that, um, you know, do have unique styles. Mm. I think back to the, my experiences of trying to play against Louisville's teams under James O'Connor. And then the, the vast difference stylistically between playing against them under hack. Um, these are just really good experiences. Mm. Um, you know, John's Red Bull teams, I would throw up there yep. with those groups and Tampa as well. Um, Indy, uh, there are some powerful teams in the Eastern conference, but I think you look to the West and you see Phoenix and you see San Antonio reemerging now and you see, you know, San Diego coming in playing a really good brand of open soccer under Landon and um, Sacramento kind of is a, is a team that you certainly can't count out with Briggsy because they will have a great structure and they didn't come far from, from progressing through Phoenix last year. So, um, yeah, we're we're certainly coming in with eyes wide open. Tulsa are throwing cash around like it's going out of style, you know. So there's going to be talent. There's going to be well coached teams. Michael's done a good job there. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, we're we're certainly not wandering in blind. And I didn't even mention El Paso, who's been in the conference final over and over. So yeah, yeah, yeah we're excited. It's a big challenge, and we definitely will bring. Uh, hopefully a unique uh, tactical approach to the conference. And then as far as building out your team, I mean, you, you know, you brought in four or five guys. I think you signed maybe another four or so. I think you have like nine or 10 on the roster right now. As far as when you bring in guys and how that looks, what's the acclimation process been for you as far as here's your war chest, so to speak from ownership or from the GM and and how have you worked with that? And, you know, obviously that's been very different from your, your previous, uh, posts. So, you know, what's, what's that kind of feel been like and, and without really giving anything away, because I know you, you won't, at least not right now. Um, what can we expect from your, your signings here in the next couple of days, next couple of weeks? We needed balance. You know, we needed balance in terms of having good left-footed defenders. Uh, so I think you're going to see two of those added to the group in the next few days. Um, we needed more explosive front three players. Um, I think you're going to see more additions with that kind of profile. Um, and, you know, we needed to reshape things in the midfield. So we had a lot to do, in my opinion, to, to play the way I want to play. Uh, and Brian's been awesome about facilitating that. And so is the ownership group, you know, they're understanding that I've come in with very, very clear, clearly defined positional roles and responsibilities within each system that I want to implement. Um, and I'm going to stick to my guns, you know, that's my belief system after working under Peter Novak and hack and Jimmy, and, you know, it's formed over many, many years under some good MLS coaches. So, um, you know, uh, we certainly are trying to act fast in terms of the timing and be ahead of the curve, uh, 
you know, I'm not going to have the luxury of waiting till March this year to make my last couple signings. Um, And I want guys with experience in the league. That's important Mm -hmm. to me as well. We're opening an absolutely stunning new stadium. And, you know, I just got to tour it last Friday. And uh, I mean, the progress and what it's going to look like when it's full, these guys need to be proven winners that Mm -hmm. we're bringing in here. They need to be ready to handle that type of environment. So guys like Jose Torres, we inherit, you know, Alan did a great job of sourcing him out and he was coming on board anyway. He would never touch that signing. If Jose's healthy this year, you know, I think we grabbed one of the best midfielders in USL, um, obviously with his pedigree in Liga MX. So it's a, it's a very uh, unique smattering of players right now so having a longer preseason is how we plan to acclimate everyone to each other so we have guys you know that are already in town i mean jimmy ockford beat me to colorado that's how (laughs) how much is around the club right now right right. um and that's why i like having so many young guys around Mm. because because they they still do have their their whole careers in front of them. Some of these guys that are 20, 21, you know, even up to 24 and 25. So, you know, we want to be a place where um, I heard Peter Vermee say this on one of my A-license courses, and it really hit me and stuck with me. But he wants to be a place similar to Philly where he's not a destination. He's a stop along the way. For his top players, and we want to we want to be that on a much smaller level. Uh, you, God, oh, I miss talking to you. You did it again. Um, <laughs> how do you how do you do that in Colorado Springs, which is an area you know? I mean, you have whatever the Northern Colorado team is is going to be called coming in twenty twenty two in League One. So there's a step below you, and then uh, Rush had has a team that was going to play in in league two i still struggle to not call it pdl um last year but that got you know postponed and then obviously you've brought in one of if not maybe the most successful pdl coaches of all time as your assistant um so it's it's very clear at least to me as someone that was you know around you and and hoagie for a while that the two of you if needed, or maybe that's just the way you want it to be, can build a successful USL side out of um, those sort of step systems or, or pipelines or whatever you want to call it. Um, those are already set up. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm not surprised to hear you say that Yeah. Uh, in the slightest. So, I mean, is that something that you're really going to hone in on and, and, and focus on and bring that up? Is that just kind of inherent to how you are as a, as a coach and as someone that wants to build a roster? Yeah. Just part of the belief system. So we, you know, we spoke early on and Hoagie and I have had many a conversation about this over the years when we got a crack at a, you know, relatively standalone club. We do have the affiliation with the Rapids, which is awesome because they add a ton of value here. And there's some exciting young players in their group that we haven't even talked about yet. Um, but you know, I think it's two parts The we value the PDL. I shouldn't, you made me call it PDL, the USL two scouting system. That's how we found Santi Moir outside mm-hmm. of our Reading group. Um, certainly Alan McCann, I would say is part of our crew and he's down in ocean city now with some good resources. So I would expect to see a lot of what went on in Reading go on in ocean city now. 
Um, and we value those, the, the input of those people that are proving really effective at those levels. And then the second piece is you got to convince guys to come. Um, they have to understand your track record of investing time and energy in games and wins and losses in young players like Aronson and McKenzie and Trusty and Jones and Fontana and Matt Freeze now into the national team setup and Olivier and Baizo and Michi was one of them. And, you know, there's that, that list goes on and on and on. So I think that helps when a young guy's evaluating, uh, where he invests his future really. And we take it deadly seriously. Yeah. And then, you know, the affiliation with the Rapids, obviously Alan was a guy that, that had done that sort of song and dance before you've been there. Um, is the, is the leash more or less from them the same? Is it a little different? Do you feel like you have, I mean, I imagine you feel like you have a little more freedom or else you wouldn't have went, but what's the, you know, in the early days, at least, what's the uh, what's the the feeling about your partnership with the Rapids? Say it's very different. Um, it's m- far less a dictation, um, which is great. Um, you know, I really struggled with that in 2019, the level mm-hmm. of dictation, um, because I'm at an inflection point in my own career, and I said that to the ownership group, and so is the club, and I. I've said that publicly many times. So I think it's a really good marriage in that way. And as far as the Rapids, you know, because it was Brian bringing me in and we do have the background bringing along guys like, look, I have my eye on Darren Yappy already. Mm. You know, there's, there's guys in their group that I know I can add value to. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I thank the Rapids for their support and all of this too, and getting into this position. So I'm certainly going to have that at the front of my mind and try to do well by them. The restrictions are far less though. Okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, as they, as they should be. Um, and then just, how long is this project for you? Do you think? Like, in, in, long. I guess, I, I'm falling in love with the city already, and we haven't even started. Sure, and and that helps. It's but just it, a as, stunning place to live. You know, I've never lived off of the East Coast, okay. um, and this is just—it's a whole new world out here. It's, you wake up every morning and you're having coffee, looking at snow-capped mountains, and it's right. sunny every day, and it's just beautiful. On field, is this a? Well, I mean, this I'm setting up for a for a yes, of course. On field, this is a first year playoff team, but what's what's the? What are your grand aspirations? What are you thinking? And and what is kind of the, um, overall goal here? Yeah, I mean, I signed on with these guys for three years. The goal is to have them in a title game of some sort. You know, in that time span, that's not going to happen overnight. I'm not unrealistic. I've seen enough teams rebuilt and built. And I talked to Bob about his time in Pittsburgh. He turned that thing around extremely fast. That's maybe on the, on the high end of expectations, Uh uh, obviously in year one, but I trust the group of players that, that are coming in with me and the guys we've chosen to keep that were on the roster. Um, to execute at a high level and we'll give them all the tools to do that. So I don't really look beyond the year I'm working, you know, life is funny. So, you know, you can really only stay in the moment and then 
reassess every year after, you know, what takes place takes place because a lot of funny stuff can happen. There can be injuries. There can be, you know, hiccups in the season. Certainly in the COVID environment, you know, there's already hiccups. We're starting late and the games are going to be a little jammed in and you're in conferences where you might see more good teams than another team in the other half of the conference. You know, it depends on how you see it. Um, So, yeah, it's it's this year for us. We're we we just hyper focus on what's in front of us from week to week and month to month. And then, how much added pressure does being the first team, being the first coach in a in a new stadium? You know, you have all these shiny toys around you, but like you said earlier, it's, it's all really for naught if the project on the field isn't winning games. So That's I mean, right. there. Yeah. I'm sure there's a lot of pressure on you in general, I think, to to give results to a team that at least ownership feels can be a pretty big stopping point in the, in the championship. Um, but also, I mean, you know, you want to make that matter to the people that are in the community and not just the people that are owning the team. So, you know, did that anything add anything for you? And then as someone that watched a team move from kind of a, a minor market and have that kind of, you know, the Lehigh Valley Phantom sort of approach back to just being a direct yeah. two team, you know, and how has that kind of molded your ambition to sort of reach out to this, this Colorado Springs community that has had a team that hasn't really been uh, you know, an impact player for, for a while now. Yeah. I think there's a number of angles to that one. So the city's exploding population wise. I mean, that's clear. As soon as you start looking around for a house out here, it's, right. it's awesome. And I, I think there is a, a, a really um, not underserved, but there's a big fan base here that are waiting to have something to get behind. So certainly when I'm walking through that stadium and seeing our brand new locker room and offices and, you know, this, this big tower of suites that hangs over the field and you know, the field sits down low. So it feels like a bit of a pit. Mm. It's, it's awesome. It's going to be awesome if we can get it right on the field. So yeah, I think it's all on our shoulders um, to get it right and show the ownership group that with every incremental investment they give us, we'll get more and more dangerous and return more and more to the, to the people of the city, which is ultimately the business we're in. Mm. Uh, do you have control over the field alterations and why are you no. so excited to play in a New York city FC sized pitch? <laughs> sure. <laughs> <laughs> so we're looking at, I believe 120 by 75, but I'd have oh, to check. Thank you, thank you so yeah. much. Okay. Um, so it will not be a New York city type of environment. Well, I mean, listen, that's, that's your home turf at that point. You know, if you want to go for yeah. it, go for it. Well, we want the field to be big. We want teams, you know, similar to how Phoenix are mm-hmm. able to line up just because of the level of resource and talent. Right. But, you know, we want the field to be big and we want people to have to make plays and make decisions on both sides of the ball. And if we get it wrong, we get exposed, but mm-hmm. if we're well prepared and they get it wrong, they'll get exposed. You know, the, the field's not going to get in our way. It's a beautiful new uh, woven turf that, you know, I think if you're going to play on turf, which we kind of have to on, in this climate, um, you know, it's, it's ideal. Yeah, so that they didn't spare anything on the stadium. It's, it's stunning. Um, and then I think it's fascinating if you look at 
the teams you've coached and the guys that you've coached more specifically. Uh, and we could do this for an hour and a half. I think if we really put our minds to it, uh, Santi's doing well first in New Mexico now in Phoenix, you have a guy like obviously Mahoney's back, but him and Drew over in, in Sacramento, you know, yeah. prove well for themselves. Even a guy like Chris Nanko who went immediately up to the Canadian premiership and won two titles with, with Hamilton. Um, yeah. Is there any part of that scouting and recruiting and, and things like that now that you, I don't know, feel like a little responsible for, like, is that all on those guys? Is there just some sort of weird Burkean method to finding and extracting wingers that North America seems to just want and, and need? And, and, you know, what does that look like? And, and, you know, is there a part of you that kind of wishes in a world where you can just grab all those guys back up and, and play them together for a year just to see what would happen? Um, yeah, I think if we did that, we'd have a lot of MLS players on our yeah. roster from our time in Reading. I look at Maddie Hedges and the career he's had, and, you know, obviously CJ Sapong is wrapping up a great career, and so's Ray Gaddis, and, you know, that list goes on and on and on. Um, but the on the USL side, I think this is about, um, you know, if if I get this right, I want MLS teams to be shopping here. I want mm. MLS teams all over the country to look here at one or two of our young talents and say, we got to figure out a way to pull this guy out. Similar mm. to what happened with Mark Anthony when he was at uh, Louisville before he moved over to LAFC. I think we can do all these things. I think we can be a destination uh, where MLS clubs come. Um, and I think it comes from that front end scouting network. We're, we're trying to be as much ahead of that part of the game as possible. You know, I talk to Alan on a regular basis. So does Hoagie, you know, we're, we're doing our best to stay on top of the college game as it goes overlooked by some MLS franchises. And, you know, that's where guys like Santi sneak through. Mm -hmm. and, and then you, and then I think it's all about the player. I don't think it's about us. I think it's about us giving them an environment where they're around other talented and ambitious guys. And then just making sure that environment continues to get reshaped to give them an opportunity to get after it and, and learn what it means to, to grind and be a, be a good pro. So did you get a little bit of a, uh, a super draft waiver wire shopping list from Bob Lilly. <laughs> I did not. Of, oh, Bob keeps everything years. close, close to the vest. Yeah. 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 Uh, but yeah, I mean, and, and does the, does the affiliation now with the Rapids, I, I mean, I'm assuming you're only thinking that's going to help with being a bit of a shop window because you oh, yeah. have people kind of in the area. Scouting yep. Brian will have an office in our building, so, okay. you know, and he still plays a key part in their um, scouting system and certainly development pipeline in their, their developmentally focused club. They have a lot of the, the good young U.S. born players and, and some others coming through their system now. So they're, they're a good match for me and I'm, I, I'm hoping that I prove a good match for them as well. Um, I've long been envious of your wardrobe. <laughs> I, I don't think I've ever, th th this might be the most popular I've ever stated that. Um, more of the same from you I'm, I'm expecting in 2021. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's a business. So just 
hopefully well dressed. Troy's got me beat, though. I gotta say, yeah, I have to step it up this year. In your absence, <laughs> I've I've been a little I've been a little jealous of Troy's. Uh, I shouldn't call him Troy uh, of uh, of his of his wardrobe as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah uh, so no change there. Okay, good, good. Uh, and then I I like to. Recently, I've been asking guys on their hype playlist if they could eliminate one song, what would it be? I've never, in fact, asked that to the coach, so I'll modify. Is there a a Coach Burke pregame hype playlist? And is that just listening to, like, NPR? Like, what is the... What is the mindset of a coach? Kind of nailed that one. <laughs> trying to get... Yeah, into- I listen to NPR, financial news, you know, I'll, I'll listen to any kind of music, but I don't have a routine before a game. I typically okay. like it to be quiet. You're the, I, the calm before the storm guy is what I'm hearing. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and then there, there was always many conversations that you would have with fourth officials that were always <laughs> exacerbated by uh, a couple coaches. Jason Bent was always one that, that the fourth officials seemed to be stuck between a rock and a hard place with you and him. Uh, Wally, another one. Um, have you, I don't know, taken your year off? Are you, are you doing meditating a little more? Are you a changed man? Or is there still a lot of uh, advocacy coming the way of the fourth official from you? Well, certainly every, every year you get older, I think. <laughs> You know, it's good to reflect and that's, you know, certainly an area where I am vocal, but I don't feel like I've ever crossed the line. I've never been dismissed or anything like that. I've come close a couple of times, sure. Um, but, but the reality is it all comes from passion. You know, you do so much to prepare your team and your guys do so much to prepare that you don't want to see the outcomes impacted in a negative way. And I've, I felt like back in the day, we maybe saw it too many times. Mm. Um, and I'm sure there's some other coaches that feel the same way, but I think the referees are working hard to get better every year too. So I'm, I'm doing more, you know, in my own headspace to, to be cognizant of that and try to respect that. Um, but it all comes from, and I'm sure for all those other guys you mentioned, like John and, you know, Bent and those guys, it, it all comes from the same place. It comes from a good place. It just comes out loud. <laughs> and I think a part of that too, is you guys are kind of a younger group yet, you know, like I, there is a world where you're still actively playing somewhere. And so I wonder if a part of that, I know. Is yeah, that blows my mind, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it's an energy thing. I like to coach with energy and stay engaged in the game and, you know, discussing how the game is flowing is part of that for me. And, you know, hopefully just doing it in a respectful way. There have been times where I've certainly slipped and any coach that tells you he hasn't is lying. Um, but, you know, that's, uh, that's an area of the game where I feel it's important to have a dialogue with those guys and not let the rest of your group get out of control and kind of be a focal point so that the rest of your group can concentrate on their jobs. And then to, to leave it on a, on a, I don't know, on a switchbacks note, um, out of the guys, the first batch of guys that you brought in, what is the, I don't know, ideal scenario for you for that group of four or five guys? Uh, The plan's different for each of them. You know, some of them I view as captain material right off the bat. Um, Certainly Jimmy comes to mind being in his prime and having 
won titles in different leagues and had stints in MLS. And, um, you know, I think outside of that, um, there's on the younger side of that group, I hope there's real progression into bigger leagues. That might not be MLS. It might be MLS. It might be, you know, in Europe or Asia. Um, certainly Michi comes to mind there if he can, you know, get this right. He's such a great kid and I know he's going to work hard and we just need everything to kind of line up for him this year. Um, but there's guys with the potential to move on from here. And that's where I said, you know, we don't want to be a destination for young players. We want to be a stop along the way for young players. Um, and not an easy one. I, I, I like for it to be challenging for them because the reality is it's going to be way more challenging at their next step. Um, so yeah, I think it's different for every player. It's hard to pin that down. Um, certainly Zandi, I think, has the potential to go higher as well. Still at his age, he had a little injury setback. And I don't think anyone, including myself, really knows what he can do yet because he's he's never really played in a real team, you know? Yeah. Well, Brendan, I uh... – Man, it's been it's been a while. I, I always enjoy stealing time from you. I'm glad that I was able to, to take a little bit more of your time. Uh, yeah, same here. Better luck on the West Coast. I'll definitely keep an eye out, given that you've signed about 20 people that I know, I'm sure, by the time <laughs> the season rolls around. Uh, yeah, but always a pleasure, uh, and I'm sure we'll, uh, we'll talk soon. Same here. Yeah, let's do it again. Thanks, Evan.